0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of SDBC Podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing the doctrine of adoption and why this doctrine is so important for every follower of Jesus. We have a special guest joining us, Dr. Barton Preeb, who serves as the lead pastor of Central Baptist Church in Victoria, BC, and is also an author of several books, including a book on this topic titled, Adopted by God. We hope you find this episode encouraging and inspiring.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in to another episode of our SDBC podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Pastor and Dr. Barton Prieb from Central Baptist Church in Victoria, one of our fellowship churches. He's also a, reg- a recent graduate of Acts Seminary. Thanks for joining us today, Barton.
2: Uh, very glad to be with you.
1: Fantastic. So you wrote your doctorate dissertation on the topic of adoption, which is interesting for our church family because we recently finished a sermon series on Galatians on this topic of adoption. So can you just tell us what compelled you to write about this topic?
2: Sure. Well, I'm sure Paul did a fantastic job on uh, Galatians 4. Maybe I need to go listen in and uh, learn some things. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm glad you guys did that. Yeah. What an amazing topic for for me. Uh, I, it, honestly, it, it was a turning point in my life. Uh, this whole doctrine of adoption, it's not too much to say it literally changed my life. I'll, and I'll kind of share some of the story, but specifically how I came to write the dissertation would be two major things happened to me. Uh, first was a powerful, I can only describe it as a powerful personal encounter uh, with this whole idea of it being adopted by God. And then secondly, some really kind of troubling questions I began to ask myself uh, about my life and about uh, the church and the Christians that I know uh, in the world. So first of all, the the powerful personal encounter happened way back in 2007, getting a little old now, but uh, I was actually out on a camping trip and I was out for a very long run and I was just listening to a bunch of sermons while I was running. I listened to one sermon in particular that was about the doctrine of adoption. And I thought, well, I think I kind of know what that's about. Uh, you know, I had a master's degree at the time. I've been a pastor for many years. I, I study lots of systematic theology. I thought, oh, I'll listen to it anyways. Well, my goodness, I, uh, the, the preacher just started talking through. He was actually on Galatians 4. And uh, he, he was talking about how, as Christians, we often base our relationship on, with God on how well we think we are doing with Him and obeying Him, or we kind of feel like we're not doing so well in obeying Him, and so we're maybe second-class Christians. We know we're believers, but uh, maybe we're not quite as close to the throne as other believers who are more faithful than we are, and as he talked, I began to realize I think I live with a bit of an underlying insecurity about what God really thinks of me, and I probably never say that to other people, but deep down, you know, just a little bit of an underlying insecurity. And so what he went on to show in Galatians 4 is that the doctrine of adoption has the power to release believers from this insecurity because it declares that God has not only freed us from slavery, he's granted us complete full status as his own sons and daughters. So it follows then, here's the basic heart of it all, that God's love and favor for us are not based at all on what we do or on what we fail to do, but on our new identity as his cherished sons and daughters. Yeah. That's kind of the same thing that justification says, you know, I think we've all kind of heard that before, but that family imagery, Mm -hmm. just there's a, such a sweetness to that. There's such a joy to that. When you realize I was outside the family and now I don't, I'm not just in the family. I am one of his royal sons. You are one yeah. of his royal daughters. Not only that, he's he's made you an heir along with Jesus Christ, his eldest son, if you want to put it that way, as Romans 8 talks about. I get to share in the inheritance of the eldest son. So I get absolutely everything. So what happened to me as I was listening to this sermon, I, I was just overcome. Maybe it was just me on that day and God made, meeting me. Yeah. But I was so overcome with God's personal and particular love for me. I literally stopped running. I'm in the middle of the campground, Mm -hmm. tears of joy streaming down my face. I don't remember if I lifted my hands in praise, but I was like (laughs) speaking out loud, like, just thank you, Lord. And just absolutely overcome. And those insecurities that I had about God's true love and acceptance for me just melted away uh, before this idea that I am part of his family and loved as uh, one of his sons. So that was the personal encounter. So when that happened, what that happened to me is I thought, man, I gotta learn more about this. They're, they're, I, I thought I knew what adoption was, and I realized I didn't. Uh, so I became obsessed with learning about this great doctrine. But that's when some things began to trouble me. Uh, alongside that newfound joy, I began to realize, or ask myself the question, why do I know so little about adoption? Hmm. Uh, I mean, been a pastor for years. I grew up as a pastor's kid. I read systematic theology books for fun, which is weird. <laughs> uh, I have imagined, I've been a pastor forever. <laughs> I could talk forever about, say, justification, talk forever about justification and the whole history of it, debates on it, whatever. But somehow I had largely overlooked adoption. So I was asking myself, Mm -hmm. why was that the case? So after that camping trip experience, I wanted to learn everything I could on adoption, but much to my disappointment and frustration, I could find very little written on the subject. Mm -hmm. There's often chapters within larger books, like G.I. Packer has a great chapter in Knowing God. Uh, There's some books on what it means to be a child of God. But I actually could not find one book that just would take this idea of adoption in the Bible. What what does it mean? How does it impact our lives? And if just one book that talked about that. I could not find such a thing. Hmm. Well, later on, just to jump fast forward a little bit, in, in my doctoral work, I, I did a whole history of uh, what's been written and said about this. And I realized that it has been a greatly neglected subject in the huh. history of the Christian church. Not only has it been neglected, it's been overshadowed is probably the best word, overshadowed by other great parts of our salvation, like justification or what we call regeneration, that you must be born again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, no, we shouldn't downplay any of those things. Those are really important, yeah. but it somehow got overshadowed by all those things. Uh, so I even did some work on the, the creeds of history, the statements of faith amongst evangelicals in Canada. Mm-hmm. So even just we're part of Fellowship Pacific, Love Fellowship Pacific. But If you look at our statement of faith, Yeah. There is literally nothing in our statement of faith that uses family imagery except to refer to God as father one time. There's nothing in there about being the children of God, the sons and daughters, Christians as brothers and sisters, the church as the family of God, being heirs of God. There's literally nothing in it uh, about that kind of familial imagery is what we would call that, right? Yeah. Uh, So I thought, my goodness, uh, we're so strong on justification and on God's sovereignty and on... Being born again, those are our historical evangelical distinctives, but nothing. And it's largely (laughs) the case for other evangelicals as well. So first I asked myself, why do I know so little about it and realize it's been neglected? And the second troubling question was, are other believers missing out on Mm -hmm. the life-transforming effects that this doctrine of adoption can bring to them? If I've been so changed by it, but it's been neglected, then are are other people missing out on this? And so... Uh, We can talk about what kind of what those things look like, but what basically what led me to do the dissertation was, I want to do some digging into what this is. What is this whole idea of adoption? Where is it talked about in the Bible? Mm -hmm. And then what if I could find a way to teach a group of Christians this, whatever it is that I'm going to discover and see how it might impact their lives. And so basically that's what I did for my dissertation was discovered. It's the apostle Paul who talks about adoption. Yeah. And then I did a whole series of sermons uh, on adoption and measured the effect uh, that it had in people's lives. Mm. So that's kind of what led me to do the dissertation. Yeah.
0: Well, that's fantastic Mm -hmm. because I totally... I see a pattern usually of um, good preachers, teachers, you know, you guys just don't go into a room and lock yourself up and then, you know, work, you know, it's like, it's not like a brain exercise only. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though it takes a lot of intellect and and studying and research, like you said, a lot of it is a personal encounter with how God reveals mm-hmm. himself to you. Right. And I love how on a camping trip, this dissertation started <laughs> basically on a camping trip mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you're praising God, you have this moment of great, encounter with the amazing God. And I love that. And, you know, I I was just, as as you were describing that, I was reminded of a song that I've been recently listening to a lot. It's by Phil Wickham and it's called House of the Lord. Hmm. It's like a super joyful, upbeat type of song. And the bridge part of it, the song all of a sudden kind of slows down. And then it goes into this awesome, um, awesome uh, adoration of what God's done for us. And he talks about, we were the beggars, now we're royalty. Mm. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. Um, and that's, I was like, man, that's Galatians right there. Right. And that's Romans right Mm. there. And you said, um, you know, we preach through Galatians and I've been emphasizing family a lot too, like brothers, Mm. sisters, adopted sons, daughters, royalty, princes, and princesses. I like to call our church family that do you realize if you are sons and daughters of the King, that makes you automatically princesses and princes in the kingdom of God. And I love how uh, our chat window and our live stream window, um, it's responding with every time now, good morning, church family. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Good morning, family. Um, what the a difference family it makes. Work. I know, what yeah. a difference it makes. And what you're right about the insecurity part. I think we'd be lying in our Christian journey if we said we didn't have those moments from time yeah. to time of, am I not good enough? Am I really worthy of God's sacrifice? Yeah. But then you're right. <laughs> when When you have a child, if you have a child, you know, that the unconditional nature of your love, it has nothing to do with whether you've earned it or not. I I always tell my son that my son's four and a half and I make it a point to tell him all the time, do you know why I love you? And he knows now. So he's like, I know why you love me. You tell me every day. It's because I'm your son, right? Cause he used to ask me, um, do you still love me when, when he makes a mistake? And I said, of course I do because my reason for loving you is because you're my son and nothing else. Yeah, I'm with you, bro. I I wish so many of us, the rest of the world would know that message and believe in it. Just
2: put it one other way too. like, we often as Christians emphasize what Jesus saves us from, Mm. he saves us from sin, from judgment, from death, from condemnation, from the wrath of God, from hell. Uh, And that's really important. That's really, really good news. Uh, But the good news is not just that God saves us from those awful things, but also that he saves us to something. Yes. Mm. And what he saves us to is adoption in his family. Uh, he doesn't just set us free from slavery to sin and then just say, all right, you're free. Go ahead, live your lives. No, he brings us home into his family, uh, makes us his heirs, makes us his sons and daughters. So yeah. it's the positive side of it that adoption really emphasizes as well.
1: Yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. So you touched on it a little bit, but getting a bit more onto the application level, why is understanding the doc- the doctrine of adoption so important for every follower of Christ?
2: Probably just I mean, like any doctrine, it's never there just for you to learn knowledge. It's there to transform your life. Uh, That's the only reason it's there, to change you. Uh, So it's the life-transforming power that it has. And every doctrine has life-transforming power, and every doctrine does it differently. Uh, So we could talk about how justification, for instance, is meant to transform your life. And I think a lot of people have done some good work in that. But adoption does things that uh, justification does not do. It's just a different metaphor. Think of salvation, maybe like a diamond, uh, and you can turn it and look at a different facet. And I think as, a, as the Protestant evangelical churches, we have looked long and hard at the side of the diamond of justification and of regeneration. You must be born again. Uh, we spend a lot of time on that. So again, it gets back to our statement of faith. We have whole paragraphs on those two things. Uh, but I don't think we spent much time looking at the facet of adoption and the, all the ways that it can change us. So just some ways. So I, I have a book coming out. Uh, we'll talk about this at the end, but uh, this is where I'm going to try to outline all these specific areas. So I don't have time to get into them, all of them here, but uh, maybe we'll hit on one big one, but I'll just give you the mm-hmm. quick overview. Sure. Uh, some of the most practical areas I think would be what we just mentioned uh, assurance of God's love and acceptance for you in a way that really brings home that sweet sense of family, of belonging, as Paul just talked about, uh, for instance, with his son. Uh, that's unique to adoption that you just justification is more, you're a criminal who has been pardoned. That's glorious, Mm -hmm. but that is a different image than you are uh, a slave who's been set free and now made a prince or princess, as you said, uh, in the Royal family, it's just different. And so it brings a different way, uh, bringing assurance to your heart. So assurance, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest ones that I, i never knew this one before, but it would be finding strength in suffering which of mm. course is one of the most important things we can discover in this life. Yeah. So the last chapter of my, my book is actually my favorite chapter is how adoption strengthens you to face literally the worst of all suffering in this life. Mm. Uh, so I don't have time to digress on that one, but that's a pretty big topic, pretty practical. Yeah. Uh, another one to be victory over sin. Uh, again, you think what does adoption have to do with fighting sin and having victory everything. Uh, mm. So Romans eight is where Paul talks about that. Yeah. Uh, we touched on this before, but a whole different vision of the church as a family. And again, I think this transforms everything. Uh, I was shocked to discover in my, my studies that the most common metaphor for the church is that of a family. Yeah. Previously, I would have thought maybe the body, the bride, uh, but actually it's the family. Uh, and that's because if you take all the metaphors from brother, sister, heir, yeah. uh, family, household, all, the, all these things, father, son, put them yeah. all together. It's actually the dominant imagery of the church in the New Testament. And where that becomes very practical for the Apostle Paul, and get, and this is where we hit the rubber hits the road for us, issues like racism, mm-hmm. sexism, mm-hmm. loneliness in the, in the world and in the church. If we are functioning as the family because we've, got, we've grasped our adoption, it, it makes this new community where things like racism, sexism, and loneliness, those wounds begin to be healed. Yes. You can't get much more practical than that. Yeah. Uh, another really practical one would be just understanding your place within the great story of God. And that, that sounds grand and it is grand, but <laughs> adoption literally begins in Ephesians one before the foundation of the world. It's God's entire plan for the universe is to adopt a people unto himself. Uh, so it begins there and it doesn't end until the new creation where we receive resurrection bodies and, and the inheritance that one day we will have and everything in between. So understanding your place that you were chosen, that you are a part of God's grand story for the universe. That is some big time, big stuff. Yeah. Uh, so those are kind of some of the big ways. Uh, do, you want, do you want any comment on that? Or do you want me to go on to maybe just one way we could track a little? Yeah,
0: yeah just, just one way. What, what, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I was thinking which, which one way with our time frame. what could we go on? I, I thought, why not talk about identity? Mm. Uh, so identity is, of course, the questions of who am I? Uh, where do I get my sense of self-worth? What makes yeah. me to be me? It's a very core of who you are. It's such an important topic. And so often uh, we base our sense of self-worth and who we are on what we do. Yes. Uh, and particularly how successful we are at what we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so maybe uh, your your self-worth is wrapped up in your career and how well you're doing in your career. Uh, It could be in your ability to parent. Uh, Like for me, when I was a teenager, it was athletics. You know, I'm, I, I would say I am an athlete. And so I have worth, you know, that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have literally said that out loud, but (laughs) you know what I mean? That's I would probably, that's what have made me, me. Um, But here's the problem with building your identity on what you're, what you do is first of all, you'll be utterly crushed when you fail and we all fail. Uh, So if your self-worth is wrapped up in succeeding, you're in really big trouble when you fail. Not only that, you can't handle criticism because yeah. if somebody criticizes you, it strikes at the very core of who you are, and you, you'll be very sensitive and it'll hurt a lot. Not only that, you'll always feel insecure because you never will quite knowing quite know if you have achieved. Yeah? Yeah. You're always having to go higher. When do you get that sense of self worth? When is enough enough? And then if you do somehow attain all of that, most people don't. But if you did it, become <laughs> successful, now you got to work at maintaining it all the time. You can never yeah. let it drop. So. It's a huge weight to carry on your shoulders. So just as a a funny little example, well, funny, but very tragically funny, I found a great quote from Madonna. So we're talking Mm -hmm. about theology. Let's talk about Madonna, (laughs) the great theologian of the latter half of the 20th century. (laughs) Madonna said, uh, I'll read a quote from her. She said, I have an iron will and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. And then I get to another stage and I think I'm mediocre and uninteresting again and again. She says, my drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. Hmm. And that's always pushing me. And here's the big line, because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. And then she concludes by saying, my struggle has never ended and it probably never will. Hmm. So when I read that, I just think, oh, how tragic uh, I mean, her whole, she's trying to become somebody that's trying to find that identity where she will feel special. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's always pushing everything she does, pushes to that end. Then she feels like, okay, I've achieved it. Uh, but then she realizes I still, now I have to, I have to maintain this. And then when she drops back down, she has to go through it all again. It's a never ending cycle uh, that, that she is on. Now contrast that. What does adoption say to that? Here's the glorious thing about adoption. Adoption is not something that is earned. Adoption is something that is given. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not something that you achieve because adoption is something that you can only receive. Uh, So we'll get to the next part of my story in a moment, but this will be an important. So our our family adopted our son, Josh, uh, Mm -hmm. from China. Um, But put it this way, Josh did not call us from China and say to us, Uh, guys, I propose that if I live in your home for a probationary period of time, if I can be a good boy, if I can do well in school, if I can please you enough, then maybe, maybe, maybe one day you could love me. Maybe one day you could adopt me as your son. Mm -hmm. That is not the story of adoption, right? To the Mm -hmm. contrary, we chose him. We adopted him. So his identity as our son has literally nothing to do with his achievements in life has nothing even to do with his obedience. Now he has to learn to obey us as our son, but his obedience has literally nothing to do with his status as our son, with belonging to our family, with our love for him. So his identity as our son is not earned. It's given. And likewise, this is the good news of the gospel. We do not have to achieve in order to be somebody because in Jesus Christ, through our adoption, we already are somebody. We, have, right. you are a son. You mm-hmm. are a daughter. So, and what that does is it gives you absolute security, deep, deep down. So, I don't like getting criticized. Still, that's not fun. <laughs> but I often realize when I'm really hurting from criticism. I'm placing too much of my identity and my achievements and who I am as a person. And I got to go back to, wait, my, my identity is completely secure. I am loved and accepted by God, the father, as his son adopted into his family. So now I can handle criticism. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I don't have to work. I'm not, my motivations to work is not to prove myself or to somehow attain a status. I've already got the highest status in the universe. How can I get any (laughs) higher? I mean, like, (laughs) so, so I'm free, right? I have a secure identity. I'm free. I don't have to keep to maintaining. I'm not always having to watch out for someone who might attack my status uh, or something like that. I, you can't touch my status. Uh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a son or daughter. Of, uh, you're a, you are a son, you are a daughter of God. And so that's the most secure identity you can get. So that'd be one area that adoption uh, transforms that I want to hit up in the book. That's going to come out. And there's lots of more like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like fascinating for me to just, um, hear the word of God in real life like this Mm -hmm. um, and how it challenges us, but also just it's so encouraging to live such free lives. And I pray that people listening to this right now would just be either reminded of this news, the good news of what Jesus has done and what he has given us freely. Uh, And also if you've never really wrestled with this truth, if you've never really been blessed by this truth of the love of Jesus that gives us freely this adopted status as the the children of the king of the universe then then i I pray that you'd embrace that Mm -hmm. and and really seek after that and press into it because it is Mm. freeing liberating it is the best thing ever yep
1: yeah just like paul said um it's a fantastic reminder our community group just finished a study um or we're in the process of doing a study and one of the weeks was on just how important it is to remember these things because you can learn all of these things about your faith about your walk with the lord um but it's so important to be reminding yourself. And it reminds me of uh, the lingo that uh, Jeff Vanderstelt uses, uses yeah. of being gospel fluent, not only so you can speak it to your community, but also so you can speak it over yourself. So it's mm-hmm. just fantastic.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, so I had another question for you. you, kind of already touched on it. So just let me know if you have more to add, but um, sure. do you want to speak a little bit more about the experience you had with adopting a child and how this ties to your dissertation and everything, and just yeah, your yeah. life, your experience so. with this?
2: Yeah, so that's why I said it literally changed my life, mm-hmm. that camping trip. Uh, this is the other big part of it. So as I began to study uh, the doctrine of adoption, I hadn't written my dissertation or anything yet. I just began to make parallels between God's adoption of us in Christ and adopting a child. Now, mm-hmm. the parallels are not always what people think they are. There's, we don't have time to get into this, but I think Paul's doctrine of adoption in the Bible, it's a little different than we actually might ponder on, um, mm-hmm. but lots of, there are lots of parallels between it. And so I just started to see that every time somebody adopts a child, really it's a reenactment in many ways of what God has done for us in Christ. It's a picture, if you will, uh, of what God has done for us in Christ. Uh, I'll digress for a moment what I mean by that. But just the other motivating factor was... just our care for the poor as well. So my wife and I were just wrestling with how do we really fulfill Christ's call to care for the weak, to care for the poor. I was preaching through the parables of Jesus at the time, of the parable of the Good Samaritan, the rich man and Lazarus. They were just breaking me up, to be honest with you. I thought, I got to do more in my life than just give money. Giving money, that's great. And yes, I need to. That's certainly one way we care for the poor. But I was like, we live, just speaking for myself, we are the wealthiest people in the world. I mean, we live in the Western world. We have always have food on our table. So how do Mm -hmm. I care for the poor? So I just thought, wow, pretty odd. Adopting a child, that's 24 hours a day, uh, aside from the initial costs, which are around $40,000, you know, just the money side of things, the time, the commitment, it's all in. And so I thought that is one way we could fulfill Christ's call to care for the poor. So it was a combination for us of, the doctrine of adoption just had so captured our hearts of what God has done for us and adopting us into His family, uh, and then secondly, to just put the second commandment into action—to uh, mm-hmm. love our neighbor as ourselves—and particularly our care for the poor. Yeah. So that was kind of our two motivating things that led us that way. Uh, back to the the question of how does adoption picture it? Uh, how much time do we have? So because I, I don't want to go on too long.
0: Don't worry, you got you got all the time you need. Oh, okay. <laughs> this this could be a whole podcast <laughs> in and of itself. Uh,
2: let, let's think through a couple of ways. So let's just track with Ephesians chapter one, which is one of the great adoption passages. Sure. Uh, first of all, our adoption with God was planned. It was not God's second best plan. It's not like God created the universe and everything fell apart, and He's like, oh, now I got to adopt them back. That that was not the plan. Ephesians one says, before the foundation of the world, He chose us in Christ to, uh, to be to adoption as sons, to adoption as daughters. So really what Ephesians one is saying is adoption is God's plan a for the universe. Mm -hmm. Like he, when God wanted to make a universe, he wanted to make a universe that would show his grace and his plan to show his grace was to adopt a people who he would buy at great cost to himself through the death of his son. And he would bring them into his family. So that at the end of the universe uh, and when all things come together, as Ephesians one says, it will be all to the praise of his glorious grace. Uh, so basically at the end of history, when all is said and done and the curtain closes, uh, we will all stand and thunder a standing ovation, uh, to God's grace. Just go, wow, look at his grace. So that's the point of why God created the universe and adoption is at the very heart of why God created the universe. So that's plan mm-hmm. a, so then you think, well, adoption for us is often when we're talking about adopting children, it's often a plan B. Uh, typically couples, for instance, would go into getting married. And if they could not have biological children, they'd say, all right, well, plan, we'll go to plan B of adoption. What I suddenly realize is adoption with God is plan a for the universe, not plan B and adoption may very well be plan a for how God wants to build your family here on earth as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying, one of our goals in life is to try to help people to redeem their idea of family that yes, biological children That's the normal way of going about things. Sure. But it very well may be that adoption, adopting a child is actually God's plan a for your family. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a very different way of thinking of adoption. So adoption was planned and my wife and I planned uh, to then go and adopt. So that's one parallel. The next parallel would be that adoption in both cases, God and us is always arises out of a terrible situation. So with us, with God, we were slaves to sin. We were not just orphans. This is a mistake that we often make when we think of the doctrine of adoption. Yeah, We, we actually weren't just orphans. We were way worse than orphans. We were slaves. Um, but it's not like God looked down at humanity as like, well, what a well-behaved people. I think I'll adopt some of them. They've, they've heard it. <laughs> That's not the picture, that we were slaves to sin and we were willing slaves to sin. Yeah. And of course, when we think about children of the world, 140 million orphans in the world today all in a terrible situation. Uh, like our son, Josh, uh, we'll let him tell his own story one day if he chooses to,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but it's not a good story. And you make all the guesses you want in the world. No, no adoption story begins nicely. They all arise out of terrible situations like a family we knew uh, who adopted a first nations girl. And I met me at the time she was maybe 10 or something. Mm-hmm. She had been through 59 foster homes before being adopted. Wow. You just go, wow every adoption story begins in a terrible situation so mm-hmm. our ours with God the children of the world they begin in terrible situation that's an, that's another parable uh, then the next thing probably would be to say that uh, God's adoption of us and adopting children is always a one-sided act of just sheer grace so we didn't earn our adoption with God it was a one-sided act of God's grace in adopting us same with us when we adopt children uh, it's, again it's not like we were my wife and I were sitting around our house and Josh called us up from China and said, Hey, uh, really? Well, I got a proposal for you and I'm a well-behaved cute little boy. Would you consider taking me as your child? No, we initiated the process. We did not wait for Josh to act because he could not act, which you see the gospel connection there. We could not act. Uh, So we acted Uh, what he could not do for himself. We did for him. (laughs) Um, And so it's the same thing, of course, with the gospel that it's God's act of grace towards us. uh, And it's our act of grace Um, towards when we adopted our son. Then maybe the final one, we could track some more, but just one final parallel as a picture uh, that adoption always comes at a great cost. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you preached on Galatians 4. So Galatians 4 says that God uh, sent Christ into the world, the great uh, Christmas text. Uh, Why did he send them into the world? It says to redeem us, that is to buy us out of slavery. But the text doesn't end there. It says redeem us so that, we might receive adoption as sons. So the yeah. end goal of redemption is adoption. Uh, but redemption came at a high, high price. So Ephesians yes. 1 emphasizes that it was the blood of Christ through which we were redeemed. So it cost God, uh, I don't know if we going to use the word everything, Cost it cost God a lot uh, mm-hmm. in order to adopt us into his family. Cost us cost him the death of his own beloved son.
0: Yeah.
2: And then the parallel for us being adoption always comes at a great cost when you adopt children as well. There's the financial, uh, you know, if it's an international adoption, you're looking at 30 to $40,000, uh, your time, uh, the stress that comes, children who uh, are orphans often come uh, uh, that it's like raising any other child, but they come with many extra things. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically there's a lot of trauma associated with the first few years of their life, mm-hmm. or if they're even older, there's, tr- there can be tremendous amounts of trauma Uh, involved. And so, uh, taking on uh, a child through adoption means taking on all the costs that come with that. Uh, so even for us, because of special needs, uh, we had to pay thousands of extra dollars in educational costs, uh, to help our son with some of his reading and things outside Mm -hmm. of school. Uh, it's just all the costs that it comes with adoption. Um, so yeah, we could go there. Other ones one of the biggest ones we could talk. Let's do one more. Can we? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so your you no, no, you no. Go going to go for it. No, no, no.
0: No, this is great.
2: <laughs> the last one would be that uh, they, they, they come the whole idea of being an heir. Yeah. Uh, so that this is one of the great ideas of, the apostle Paul's doctrine of adoption as we are made heirs and fellow heirs with Christ or joined heirs with Christ. So we have an inheritance coming to us as believers, which Paul says cannot even be compared with the present sufferings of this world. Uh, so in other words, you can't even put them on a scales. Uh, the sufferings of this world as horrible as they may be let name them show how bad they are. Everything at the end of the day, the inheritance that is coming to the children of God is so great. You cannot yes. even compare them. Yes. And then just the parallel for us, this is this way smaller level. But like mm-hmm. our son, Josh, I remember we, my wife and I were going on a trip to Ecuador a few years ago. And before we went on the trip, she said to me, have you made sure that Josh's name is in our will uh, mm-hmm. in case we we die? So we yeah. oh sorry, we have three biological children as well. Yeah. Uh, so we had three biological and then we adopted our son, Josh. And so I said to her, no, we don't need to put his name in the will. And uh, she said, oh, what? Why not? What if we die? I mean, what if, what if then he's left out? I said, no, because our will... Uh, I specifically had our lawyers do this when we first uh, drew it up. So we would not have to do endless revisions. We, it says that our, you know, give, give monies to various, whatever things. And then there's a a clause in it that says our estate will be divided up equally among our children. Mm -hmm. So in legal terms, now the question is who are Barton and Heather Prieb's children, Mm -hmm. my wife Heather so legally, now you got to answer that question. Well, my children can prove they are my, my biological children can prove they are my children through their birth certificates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our son Josh cannot do that. He does not have a birth certificate uh, coming into our family, but he most certainly does have other certificates. He has official legal uh, certificates that show he is adopted into our family, has full status as our son. And so, if some lawyer started to give him trouble and say you don't get your share of the estate. Josh would just hold up his adoption certificate and just say, be gone lawyer. (laughs) Uh, I am a child in this family and therefore I am entitled to my full share of the estate. Now, Paul, we're pastors. So the share of the estate (laughs) here in this world is, is not so great. It's abundant. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's not going to be the largest estate, but Hey, the, the, the principle remains. Right. And so yeah. that's what we are because we are in Christ. Yes. Uh, we are heirs and we will receive the inheritance, which if we had time now, that's why I said the last chapter in my book is my favorite. Cause I go into what this inheritance is and it's nothing <laughs> short of the entire universe, uh, yeah. heirs of this world. And then the biggest one heirs of God himself, yeah. Uh, that we get to inherit God. We get to be with God for all of the yeah. eternity. So That's those are just so some good. of the parallels, I think, between adopting oh, children yeah. and God's mm-hmm. adoption of us. They're really
0: inspired. Yeah. I love it. That's so good, mm-hmm. Barton. And what you and your family have, have done and are continuing to do, I think it's amazing. And obviously your, your family is beautiful. Um, one of the things um, I'm reminded of when I speak or even think about adoption, but as I was preaching through it in Galatians, I, w- I kept going back to this image in um, in the Old Testament with King David, right? When he becomes king, mm-hmm. and then there's his best friend's son, Mephibosheth. Yeah. Mephibosheth. yeah. Some of the staff in our, in our church call him Mephibi. <laughs> in That's probably a better
2: version. <laughs> it's a little shorter.
0: Yeah. But Mephibosheth deserves maybe um, banishment because he could be a potential threat to David's throne. He's a rival dynasty's um, child. Mm -hmm. Um, Any other um, normal king of his time would just banish him. Or even if you were a little bit crueler than that, you would kill him. Exactly. That was what he quote unquote deserved according to the royal um, culture at the time. And yet David says, no, no, because not because you deserve it, because you've done nothing to earn a seat at this table. Because of my promise to your dad, because of uh, my relationship with him, based on that, I I, I want you to sit at this table as if you were one of the princes in this kingdom. And that is crazy because, like you said, it's not just that you weren't, you know, you're just a stranger. You're an enemy, basically. Mm. If anyone deserves a seat, you're the last one in line. Um, but David says, no, you will. And that reminds me of God and what he's done because of Jesus, because of what he's done, because of God's um, intimate and loving and perfect relationship with his son. And because of Christ's work on the cross and resurrection and the empty tomb, we get to sit at the table as, like you said, I love that imagery of your son, Josh, being able to say, be gone lawyer. <laughs> I am a child in this family and we can do that too. And, and what a beautiful picture. I, I, I agree with you, Barton. We need to talk about adoption. We need to Mm. think about adoption. We need to let it permeate our faith, our life, and everything that we do and say, Mm because I think it'll transform how we live. So fantastic. I know our listeners will be inspired by this, Barton. I know people will want to de- uh, dig a little bit deeper into this topic. Like you said, it's frustrating not being able to find um, material on, okay, I want to learn more about this. This is super encouraging and inspiring. Um, you talked about a book that's coming out. It's not the dissertation that you wrote. It's something that you wrote for the Christian. For anyone, yep. that's willing to dig deeper into this doctrine of adoption. Um, I know COVID has thrown your schedule off a little bit, but can you maybe let us know what the book's going to be called and when we might be able to expect uh, to see it on Amazon or any bookstore?
2: Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, The book is called adopted by God and uh, probably is going to come out in September. I did want to wait until COVID was over. Uh, Mm -hmm. but so it's a little hard for me to decide. It's basically ready to go. That's coming up to cover design stage right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's almost ready. And my goal in the book was really to, to write one book that would capture, uh, the apostle Paul's doctrine of adoption. Cause I I would argue that it's only the apostle Paul who actually really develops the doctrine of adoption. There's great pictures of it. Like the one you mentioned earlier with David, but it's the apostle Paul. So I wanted to have one book. If you want to learn about adoption, you read this book, you will fully understand, not just understand it, you'll see all the life-changing implications and they'll be worked out. And so it's got Bible teaching throughout it that hopefully (laughs) makes that clear, but it's chalked with stories and from our own family's adoption from other people and just hopefully stuff that'll really make it sing, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and make it, make, make it sweet to your heart. So yeah. I also made a eight week study guide with it so that groups could go through it in you know, kind of home groups, yeah. community groups, whatever. So mm-hmm. hopefully that'll come out in September uh, that will be on Amazon. Yeah. There'll be Kindle versions of it and things like that. If somebody really wants to do a deep dive, uh, I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll hesitantly recommend this. My dissertation is available at Amazon. If you want to pick it up, it is a dissertation. Uh, there'll be parts of it. I think that would be interesting for people to read parts of it, you would just want to skim by. And then mm-hmm. it's really big. So you could use it as a doorstopper, <laughs> a, a nighttime sleep aid, uh, <laughs> But if you're interested in doing a true deep dive, if maybe like two of your listeners are interested that way, uh, it's called Belonging to God's Family. If you just look up my name on Amazon, uh, you can uh, purchase the copy there.
0: Yeah, that's pastor and Dr. Barton Prieb. Um, I don't like to usually plug any products or anything for through our church, but I am a geek for books and anything that helps us to draw nearer to God, I'm all for it. So mm-hmm. if you want to dig a little bit deeper into the doctrine of adoption, uh, when Barton's book comes out, um, we'll, we'll make sure we let our church family know so that we can study it and we can be enriched by it because I I really trust that it will. And Barton, I pray that this book will not only bless our church family and our people here, but many people all across. I mean, who knows how many people God has, um, in his mind, and his amazing plan mm-hmm. to bless with this book. So I pray that it will. And I pray mm-hmm. that the pandemic won't throw a wrench into your plans. <laughs> thanks yes, so thank much. You. Yeah. Thanks so much for being with us and spending your morning with us, um, recording this for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I trust that this will be inspiring as people listen to this. Thanks so much, Barton.
2: Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.